Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today, I'm honored to have Dr. Kent Cruz, a retired small animal vet, a management software creator for the veterinary industry, and an authority on pet insurance here to talk with us today on why pets matter and why insurance matters for your pets. Let's hear what Kent has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton again, and this is Why Do Pets Matter, the podcast that brings you some of the most important and influential people who really want to let you know why pets matter to them. Today, I'm so grateful to have my colleague on the Society for Vet Medical Ethics, a former small animal veterinarian and just an all-around great guy who has gone from management software in the veterinary practice to now really understanding vet insurance. So Kent Cruz, Dr. Kent Cruz, thank you so much for being here and helping everyone who's listening to Why Do Pets Matter understand why pets matter to you. And then we're going to go off on the and why insurance is important. So welcome, Kent. Well, thank you, Deborah. Uh, I'm honored to be here. Uh, it's exciting. I, I never pass up an opportunity to talk about pet health insurance, and I think you provided me with a uh, with a wonderful venue here. So I'm I'm eager to get started. Well, I know all my listeners are eager for you to get started as well. But you know what? We always start with why do pets matter to you, Kent? And I know the list probably is long and illustrious, but why do pets matter to you? Well, I'll give you a little bit of history. When I, you know, I've been around for a while. I graduated from veterinary school in 1963. And my background, my dad's background was uh, repairing things. And I always uh, looked at myself as a person who would, uh, could repair dogs and cats who might happen to be ill or injured. And that was always my, my attitude through vet school. And so you learn how to do these things, how to diagnose, how to treat. And when I, when I graduated from veterinary school, I started working in a practice here in Wisconsin. And uh, I started typically, I think it was the end of May, first part of June, something like that. And I dove right in. I was really pleased with uh, my opportunity to be a practicing veterinarian after so many long years of college. And uh, what I discovered was that about Christmas time that year, the first Christmas all of a sudden, I started receiving Christmas gifts from my clients. And the Christmas gifts, as you can imagine, they were everything from fresh baked cookies to, to knitted mittens and, and an occasional bottle of booze. Uh, it was, uh, it, and I was astounded. But it was at that point 
that I realized that while I was in fact administering to the ailments of pets, what I really was administering to was what we, what we now call the human-animal bond. And I recognized my importance as a veterinarian. And uh, I, I, I hope, I always hope that every person who, who engages in this, in this art of medical practice for dogs and cats and pets uh, understands that fully. I, I sometimes worry that they don't, uh, but that's our purpose, I think, in, in our profession is to, is to secure and maintain the human-animal bond as best we can. And, and of course, in the process, we get bonded to the pets. We get bonded to our patients. So we, we have, sort of have a, a double investment in that whole thing. But that, that's, why pets, that's why pets are important to me. Wow. I want to say that, you know, there's an article that Bernard Rowland wrote from CSU. He's an animal ethicist, and he, he actually said, uh, sort of a form of what you said, are you a mechanic or are you a doctor? And I think in those first six months, you realize, no, I'm not just a mechanic. I'm not just fixing these and repairing these animals. Rather, I'm a doctor and I'm helping the people who have these pets uh, and keep them in their lives. So as you so beautifully put, you secure and maintain that human animal bond that, you know, over COVID we've all found out is so important and life-giving to all of us, yes. including the animals. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. So you went from veterinary medicine for a number of years into yeah. management software, which just tell us a little bit, that's to help veterinarians organize their books, which when you, when you went to vet school, I'm sure um, business 101 was minimal because it's still pretty minimal in the veterinary um, study world because you all want to know how to fix the animals, not really run the business. Right. But then you, you worked with some management software people, and how did that work? Well, it, 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 it stemmed from what I, what I perceived as a need within my own practice, and this dates back to the IBM PC and floppy disks, to get this, just to give you an idea. I'm and near I this group, and so no worries. Yeah, and, and I started to, I started to, uh, you know, wonder. Well, you know, computers are doing such wonderful things. There are things that we do in management that are pretty rote and routine, take up a lot of time, take up a lot of energy, and can a computer help with this sort of thing? And I think the the, the most obvious, uh, uh, the most obvious function would be something like sending out reminders for immunizations. You know, you can you can sit and you can hand address postcards, you can make telephone calls, you can do lots of things, but the computer can do it very, very automatically. So uh, I, I got busy. I, I hired a, a student who was in information technology from the local university and we started putting together a program. Uh, he worked in the basement of my animal hospital and, uh, and the company that is now known as Impromed was born. Uh, Impromed is, is still, in, in my mind, if not in reality, it is still the leading purveyor of uh, management software for veterinarians, and it has grown. It's, it's now part of the Covetris uh, group, of, uh, group of management practice, um, insur uh, management practice uh, uh, programs. So, and, and that proved to be very helpful, and, and that's how I got started on the industry side of things. You made vets' lives easier because you automated their ability to touch their clients. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Really, and now Covetris is taking it even further, and, and so you moved on to, and I think this is wonderful, um, really studying pet insurance. So, tell us how you matriculated from management into insurance, and then 
really fill us in at least as much as you can. And I know we're going to have you back because this is such an important topic about why pet insurance started and why it's important. Uh, when I, uh, when I had made the decision to retire from the, the computer management software business, I had been working uh, with a couple, a couple of gentlemen who were trying to start a pet health insurance company in the state of Florida. And the thing that was unique about my company software is, is it was the first company to actually digitize medical records. And the dilemma that this, these two gentlemen faced was how do you accumulate, where do you find data to uh, do actuarial studies to find out the important, important thing for any insurance company is how much do you charge and you have to charge uh, for a premium. And the premium has to be based on risk and what is the risk. And so how much, uh, how much is our uh, pet owners being charged for routine um, medical, medical problems. And they had no access to data. Well, we had a number of practices in our company that had digitized their medical records. So they were excellent uh, sources of information. And that's how the whole thing got started. So when I retired, I informed these gentlemen that I was no longer working with the company. Another, another veterinarian in the company was gonna take over. And about 10 days later, they contacted me and they said, we're sorry you're leaving Impromed but is there a possibility that you could help us with our company, our new company? So that's how the whole thing got started. Now, now that company did get off the ground. It struggled. And, uh, and then uh, there was a, a transition, and I won't go into the long history, but I ended up working for Jack Stevens at Veterinary Pet Insurance, uh, which was a wonderful opportunity. I, I worked for BPI for uh, nearly 10 years, uh, attempted to retire again, and <laughs> how did that work for you? Not so good. Yeah. And then, then was contacted by a, another colleague who was uh, uh, who was working for a large company. He wouldn't tell me who it was. He just said this is a large company and they want to get into the pet health insurance business. I pestered him for about three years, uh, trying to find out who he was working for, and finally discovered it was Nestle Purina, uh, which which is in fact a pretty big company. And, yep. Uh, <laughs> So that's where, I, that's where I ended my career working for uh, Nestle Purina. So let me ask you, um, Kent, why is it important to you that people understand why insurance should be so important to them for their pets? Well, uh, I, I, I think insurance in, in some respects is, is a misunderstood entity. And um, I, people, I think people, if they stop to think about it, um, would, would probably uh, agree that, it, that it's important in a lot of respects. But, it, but insurance, regardless of whether you're insuring pets or cell phones or in automobiles, is to protect yourself against um, a, a, an expense that you may not be able to afford. Now, um, for, for an automobile, you can be without a car for a while, but you could probably rent a car and there are substitutes while your car is being repaired, things of that nature. But if your pet is sick, uh, there is no substitute. So what I always, I always advise people to not to look at pet insurance as a product. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, it, is, it is in fact, what you're buying is peace of mind. It, it's not, I, sh I should have uh, stated that differently. It's not an investment. It is in fact a product and the product is peace of mind. 
So, so pet owners have the peace of mind when their pet is insured to know that if, if something happens, and, and we know now with veterinary expenses uh, going as high as they have been, uh, that the, the issue of affordability is coming to the forefront in, in pet health insurance is probably the leading tool uh, that can, can forestall any, any problems associated with a, a sick or injured animal where the, where the client may not be able to afford. See, the, there's a unique problem within veterinary medicine. Veterinary medicine is the only medical, medically related uh, profession that uh, relies almost 100% on, the, on their customer's discretionary cash to pay the bill. It's the only one. If you, if, you, if you look at human medicine, it's nearly 90% of the people under 65 are insured. Uh, people over 65, almost 100% because of Medicare. Uh, in dental medicine, it's, uh, it ranges anywhere from 40 to 60% uh, depending on age. And in veterinary medicine, it, uh, it hovers just under 3% of the total number of pets that are insured. So, wow. so, so the risk is exceptionally high in our profession. And, uh, and, and that's what's so important. Uh, we have to understand that the risk is high. We have, to, we have to provide for our clients. We have to recommend and we have to educate. And unfortunately, we have not been as successful in that endeavor uh, as I would like to see in the nearly 20 years that I've been working within the pet health insurance industry. So it's really interesting, Kent, because when I went out to get pet insurance for my pets, I, I had a long talk with Kent. I'll tell everyone before we're recording here, and I know I'm woefully underinsured uh, and need to think about looking at different things that Kent's going to help me do, and I'm going to take you on that journey with me. Um, however, it's, it's interesting that there are different types of insurance you can get. You can get wellness insurance. You can get catastrophic insurance. There are different price points if you start when the puppy is uh, young uh, or if you start with the dog is older and you're rescuing it. There's also some promotional things that some of the uh, insurance companies have put in place for breeders to pass on to buyers. Uh, and maybe that'll go to shelters and rescues as well someday where if they check out the dog and you, you know, adopt it, they'll have a pass along of some sort. But it's really difficult to understand which insurance policy is best for you. So in as as easy a way as you can, uh, can tell me the different types of insurance, not necessarily by brand name, but actually, you know, you can get wellness insurance, or you can get um, pet Catastrophic insurance. Veterinarians often offer um, a package, which isn't insurance, but that's something you prepay as well. And then, of course, there's the credit that you can extend to yourself, but that might put you in an unfortunate holds, hole. Um, so let's start with how to think about insurance for your pet who's now a family member and no longer, you know, part of the livestock in the backyard. They're like your child. Okay. Well, let's let's look at wellness. You you use the term insurance, and and I would caution you on that term because uh, what insurance does is is that it it calculates risk, and and it's and the and the company that's doing the insuring uh, usually tries to share the risk um, with with the pet owner, and and therefore. Uh, you get into these situations where there are co-pays and deductibles and things of this nature. 
Um, wellness is predictable. Uh, it's it's not so risky. We know uh, we know what expenses are going to be associated with um, uh, an animal of various ages and uh, veterinary expenses. And and the unfortunate part about wellness is that oftentimes uh, the wellness expenses come in groups of. Uh, as an example, uh, a, a puppy uh, has has to look forward to neutering and immunizations and and, and a whole list of things that, that kind of group the expenses in the early part of the puppy's first year, and it's difficult sometimes for pet owners to take care of it. So this is where the prepaid concept comes into effect, and prepaid wellness plans I think are marvelous. They're just they're, they're just, uh, you know, the American Animal Hospital Association and the AVMA had a really intense plan, um, uh, offered in, intense information about uh, wellness plans about five years ago. And it was based on a study that was done by the Bayer Corporation that, that indicated that pet owners would avail themselves uh, more readily of wellness coverage if they could pay for it over a period of time. So, so that's what, what's evolved and many veterinarians have been very successful in providing that service, and it's been um, and it's been quite it's been quite successful. It's worked quite well. Insurance, on the other hand, is the risk of the unknown, of uh, the catastrophic unknown. Yeah. And and so these these are assessed. Uh, you know, the risks are assessed differently, and there are different risk factors associated with pets. Age is one of them. You you mentioned a, a minute ago that yes, um, uh, puppies. And kittens have have one premium, and uh, and as the pet gets older, traditionally the risk increases. It's just like human health insurance. As we get older, um, you know, I'm taking a lot more pills now than I ever used to. Uh, the risk is uh, the risk is higher, and therefore the premiums go up because the risk is higher. But I would caution people also sometimes to realize that puppies and kittens, while they're young and they're healthy and they're vigorous. They're also kids, and kids get into trouble. Uh, uh, BPI in their early years had a had an advertisement that showed the pic a picture of the most delightful, cute little beagle puppy, and the caption underneath the picture was "cute as a button until he eats one." Right, and and, and, and that's. And that's what puppies and kittens get into trouble. So there is an element of, of, of higher risk with puppies and kittens that might not be anticipated, but it's there and it's true. And sometimes with some companies, it costs more to, to insure a puppy or a kitten than it does a one or two or three-year-old pet. So yeah, risk I, I, had a, I had a $750 pet rock that uh, my dog had eaten. So I know that story very well. He was only 18 months old. Yeah. And uh, we had to pop it out of his stomach. So that was a delight. So keep yeah. going. This is so important and informative. Yeah. I'm so grateful, Ken. Great. Uh, there are also risks associated with breed. We know that there are hereditary problems that can occur more prevalently in some breeds. I like to use the illustration of the little dachshund who has a long spine uh, that's uh, very susceptible to what I refer to as intervertebral disc syndrome and sometimes can result in the complete paralysis of the rear quarters. These kinds of problems are not repaired inexpensively. These cost a lot of money to fix. And so in some breeds, and again, that illustration for, for dachshunds sometimes is, is, share, is, is a shared risk situation and it costs more to insure them. Yeah. 
location, uh, the location of the home of the pet is also important. Uh, I also kid that um, uh, an, only, an old English bulldog that happens to reside in your home state is going to cost a lot more to insure uh, than a beagle in Wisconsin. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the location where their veterinary expenses are traditionally higher. So these are the, these are the risks that are relatively easy over, uh, have become relatively easy over time because of, now there's lots of data. There's tons of data on, on how much more expensive it is to take care of a, a dog in New York state as, a, as compared to Wisconsin and the various breeds. So that's the shared risk situation. And then, of course, there's accident. That's accident and illness. And then there's just accident insurance. Accident insurance traditionally um, has not been as popular as accident and illness because it only covers that 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 portion of risk that's associated with with a with an accident, Tr uh, physical trauma. Dog runs out and gets bumped by a car, something of that nature. Uh, a cat gets caught in the garage door opener, and it, these these are the kind of these are the accidents. So uh, there are different kind of risks, different kind of policies available, and uh, it's it pays. I will tell you that it does pay to shop around uh, because the various insurance companies do have different premiums. I just completed a study uh, just to uh, just to give you an example. Uh, of, of my area here in, here in Wisconsin, we're, in, we're uh, not too far from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I, I, um, I reviewed six different uh, pet health insurance companies. I've, and um, for a one year black Labrador puppy, as an example, uh, the premiums for virtually identical coverage went from $116 at the high uh, down to $50.74 for a low and um, uh, for basically the same, basically for the same coverage. So the only, my, the best advice that I can, that I can tell anybody with a pet is while your veterinarian may suggest and recommend he, he or she can be a, a valuable source of a recommendation uh, but the, but a pet owner needs to do this investigate, and it takes time. It takes time. But and they you really need to, need to do that before you get the dog. Would that be a fair summation? You, you really should do a little bit of homework before you get the dog, so you know I'm buying a bulldog in New York, and yep. so for me, um, the care of that bulldog and all the things that might befall that bulldog because of hereditary issues that could come right. up. Right. Um, I will be, and that, that might actually change me from an old English, you know, uh, bulldog to maybe a Frenchie who might have less of a risk, yes. but still, I still have that nice face that that's why yes. I probably buy. Right. You, it would really behoove you to understand um, what it is your dog brings to the insurance table, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And then where you live. So uh, Kent and I had discussed that I'm moving from New York to North Carolina. And his one quip to me, which was very funny, was, well, your insurance will go down. I said, yay. So yeah. because veterinary medicine is less expensive in some states than others. There are yeah. so many factors to consider. Now, when you ask your vet, I loved when you said you can ask your vet, but you really have to do your own homework. Right. Because I know I'll raise my hand that a lot of veterinarians hate the paperwork for um, insurance claims and will 
either have the client do it, but then you have to make sure that you pay the bill. And if you can't pay the bill, that's a problem because yeah. the insurance company wants to know that you've paid the bill. So tell me about how you go, how you start the first step you want to take um, when you're looking to understand the insurance that's best for you. Um, and you're talking to your vet about it. What happens if the vet says, well, you know, so-and-so ABC vet insurance is beastly when it comes to putting in um, claims, uh, mm-hmm. but XYZ is really good about claims. So I would recommend XYZ. Mm-hmm. And yet when you're doing your numbers, ABC seems to be better. How do you work with your veterinarian to try to understand what's going to be efficient for both of you? Okay. Uh, this is a good, this is a good subject to talk about. Um, and, and as you mentioned, the, the traditional uh, uh, structure of a pet health insurance company uh, varies from human health considerably in that um, all, all the human health insurance companies, um, you submit a claim and, you, uh, and, and, the, and the benefit is paid directly to the physician. Uh, right now, that's a, it, it's a little bit different because in human medicine, the contract, the insurance contract is between uh, the, insurance, uh, the insurance company and the doctor. In veterinary medicine, the, the uh, contract is between the insurance company and the pet owner. So the, con- the contractual, yeah, the contractual relationship is, is, is different. So the traditional, uh, the traditional model is that uh, uh, you expect uh, benefits of a certain amount or a certain percentage, and they all, the percentage of benefits will range between 70 and 90%, somewhere in that area. And, uh, and, and that payment, after the claim has been filed by the client, by the pet owner, the, the benefit check comes back to the pet owner. And the and the uh, but veterinarians are a little bit cautious, and what they want is to have that bill paid before the pet is taken home, uh, regardless of the size of the bill. Veterinarians are are not eager to provide billing, uh, uh, or or to provide credit uh, for medical procedures, and so the traditional model says, um, uh, pay the bill, take your pet home and reimburse, uh, reimburse your own checking account when you receive the benefit check from, from, the, uh, from, the, from the insurance company. And therein lies the little bit of issue because if it does run you $14,000, then yeah. I, I don't have $14,000 lying around. And I'm yeah. sure most pet owners don't have $14,000 lying around and maybe they'll get 10,000 back from the insurance company, but that could take a month or so. No. Um, no, I, I I think most pet insurance companies probably are paying pretty quickly within ten days would be my guess right now. It, it, right. It's a very it's a very sensitive issue of uh, the speed with which a claim is paid, and and I think most of the insurance companies now are really pretty good about getting that uh, benefit check back to the owner as quickly as they can. Yes. So, so the so the other option, of course, there there are unfortunately, to the best of my knowledge, is only one insurance company now uh, that's providing a mechanism so that when the when the pet is ready to go home, uh, the claim is literally submitted automatically by the veterinarian, and it's submitted and it's handled very quickly. And an answer comes back from the insurance company that advises the the receptionist that's that's getting ready to create the invoice. 
um, this the, to to uh, that the client can expect that so X number of dollars are going to be covered under the terms of the insurance policy, and that the issues relating to deductible and copay need to be collected from the client, which is traditionally going to be around ten to fifteen, perhaps as high as twenty percent of the total bill. So twenty percent is easier to pay yeah. out of anybody's pocketbook than a hundred percent. And so this is, this is a very helpful service. But as you indicated a few minutes ago, there's a cost to that. There's a cost to that service. So again, you have the client, the pet owner has to, has to weigh the difference in cost between the possibility of, of having to come up with the money up front versus having it, uh, having it all submitted and, and having to submit just to, and having just to pay a, a much smaller amount. And there can be uh, an amazing difference between the premiums, I might add. So there, so there is a cost to that. And again, it's, a, it's, it's yet another layer of peace of mind. Right. Basically it's, it's passing that peace of mind over and over and over again. And of course, um, we all want to never use our insurance. I mean, we do because, oh my God, I spent all that money and my dog yep. never got sick. Well, yep. God, you, you ran the lottery and, and, um, you won because the human animal bond wasn't disrupted by sickness. Right. So that's like, okay, if you can see it that way, I, I right. know that a lot of my listeners don't see it that way. I, over the years, I paid 10 or $20,000 into insurance to make sure that if my pet became ill, I right. would covered. Um, maybe I recovered five or 10,000 for different things that, you know, rocks they swallow or, right. you know, I had, I laughed when you said dachshunds because I've had those surgeries too, because I had standard dachshunds. So yeah, you know, those, <laughs> those are expensive surgeries, yeah. uh, which I PS did not have insurance for. Um, so you really did hit on two things that hit home for me. It would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, but if you have a really healthy dog, my sister had a golden retriever. This is an anomaly. Of course, it lived to be 16 years old, never had an issue with its life, but had she paid insurance for 16 years, she probably would have said, well, that was a waste of money. But really, no, it wasn't. You you can be altruistic and say, yeah. well, my money helped Deborah's dachshund um, yeah. and her Irish setter who swallowed the rock. Right, 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 exactly, right. And exactly. I didn't have to live. It, it all goes into the pool, and the pool is available for anybody who has an insured pet and is paying the premiums. The pool is available. It's there. And, and Kent, tell me a little bit. So we, we do hear some pet owners say, you know, did you got in? The, you didn't get in this for the money, did you? I mean, veterinary medicine is one of the most misunderstood, in my opinion, practices of medicine because a lot of people, when you know that you can do chemotherapy now, you can do um, hip replacement now, you can fix dachshunds' backs now, and they can live a happy life, minded. Um, mm -hmm. So those are available now. They weren't available probably when you got out of school because I know they weren't available when I got my first um, Irish setter and things. There weren't that many things available. We've come leaps and bounds in medical care. Uh, but sometimes people say really mean things to veterinarians when the bill comes um, because, you know, did you get into this to make a million, which never happens, I might add. Now, I do not know any millionaire vets, um, it, but you do have to pay for, I always say to my veterinarians, you, you really need to have that conversation and be transparent that this is an expensive procedure. It will help your pet. If you have insurance, great. If you don't have insurance, then you have to think about it. Um, but how do you help vets have this conversation with their 
um, pet owners where the pet owners don't think, well, they're just, you know, want to be able to charge me more for whatever practice, but rather they're trying to help you understand that this will give you freedom to choose. Like we have in human medicine, yes. we, have the, we, we have freedom to choose to have our hip replaced because we have insurance to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that's, that's a difficult task. Um, you are probably aware that uh, in 2019, the American Veterinary Medical Association, uh, I, I, should, I should point out, has, has always had a position on pet health insurance. They've, they've, all, they've recognized the value of pet health insurance uh, but it has been, um, it, it, was, it was not a position of enthusiasm. I guess that's the best way that I can describe it. It was not a position of enthusiasm. And in 2019, they added some words uh, to their position statement on pet health insurance, which basically said uh, that they felt that it was the responsibility of veterinarians to have the conversation with pet owners about uh, the anticipated expenses uh, of owning a pet and advise the pet owners that there is insurance available that can help them in case the expenses exceed their ability to pay. And um, and that's about as far as it went. And um, I, I have to tell you that, that that adding on those numbers did generate some discussion within the profession because the discussion has um, the, 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 the problem, I shouldn't say problem, but the concept of pet health insurance has not been all that popular uh, within the veterinary profession. And, and you know, when, when Jack Stevens started the first pet health insurance company and sold his first policies, you, you may remember the history, the very first policy was sold to Lassie. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that occurred in 1982. And since 1982, here we are now in 2021, and with under only 3% of the pets insured, you know, there's, there's, there's been an opportunity which has been really kind of bypassed and yeah. it has not been enthusiastically recommended by veterinarians. So... Um, this is a discussion that some veterinarians are reluctant to make for a variety of reasons. That's that's probably a topic of a of a whole new podcast if we want to get into Absolutely, that. Absolutely, because I just that just popped into my mind how to have that conversation with your client yeah. and how to have that conversation with your veterinarian if they're reluctant. Say, right. I get it, but I need to know, and so let's work together and collaborate as partners. Yeah, yeah. Um, an interesting study was done a couple of years ago, and it was a very elaborate study uh, that. Uh, where where veterinarians and pet owners were interviewed. Um, First of all, pet owners, uh, did your veterinarian talk to you about pet insurance? When you got your puppy, when you, when you, uh, you know, has your veterinarian ever had a discussion with you about, about pet insurance? And as you can imagine, the percentage of of pet owners that responded positively to that was pretty low. Veterinarians, on the other hand, when interviewed, said, um, uh, what is your view of the value of pet insurance? And and well over 80% of the veterinarians said, oh, we think it's a great idea. We see the value. And and really, it's it's very important for our clients to have pet insurance. And, And the third question that was asked, well, uh, do you recommend, do you actively promote the concept of pet health insurance to your, to your clients? And the majority of them said, no, no. And then the question was asked, why not? 
And they said, because it takes too much time. I know. Yeah. Takes too much time. You know, that time thing is, is a real issue with veterinarians when it comes to having a full conversation about what's going on. And I know they're under time pressure, especially with the different kinds of veterinary practices that are out there now that aren't just, you know, one or two veterinarians seeing the neighborhood people. There's big conglomerates that are doing it, which is fine, which helps to maybe offset cost or whatever, provide bigger um, services. But time is always one more thing. It's sort of like school teachers. One more thing I have to do and we get it. But this pet insurance discussion, um, it's, it's so important for people to have that it, it makes it, worth their time in the long run maybe not in the short run but it makes their time worth it in the long run well it's a it's a that's a true situation is an investment in time that's an investment that pays a dividend that that investment pays a a direct dividend in so many ways for a veterinary practice i need to tell you an experience that i had a number of years ago that sort of set set my brain in in terms of how how why it's important to, to, to be more proactive about pet insurance with, with pet owners. I was talking to a veterinarian from the UK. Now you're probably aware that the number, the, the insured number of pets in the UK has hovered right around 22 to 26, 27%, somewhere in that range for quite a number of years. That, that's, a, that's huge compared to the United States. Right. 3%, yeah. 3%, right, it's huge. And I was discussing this percentage with this veterinarian. And I said, do you by any chance track the percentage of, of insured pets in your practice? And he says, oh, I most certainly do. And, and I looked at him with surprise and I said, well, are, if you're comfortable, do you mind sharing with me what percentage of pets are insured in your practice? He says, 71%. Wow. I said, what? I know. What? 71%. And I said, I have to ask, how how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? And he says, well, it's it's very quite simple. He says, every time a client brings in a new puppy or a new kitten, and and he says, admittedly, he says, that's a busy time. You have so many items and so many concepts to discuss with with a client with a new pet. But he says, insurance is the most important. He says, I asked the question, are you rich? And, and he says, it's amazing. He says, even though I may know a particular client is quite wealthy, they always look at you and say, oh, no, 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 I'm, no, I'm, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. And, and he says, and then we proceed to say, well, unless you're rich, at some point in the time that you are living with this pet, this pet is going to have a medical problem that you're going to have a very difficult time to pay for. And I highly recommend that you get insurance. Now they follow that up with with a lot of reminders of, of various ways, which which is another discussion that we can have. Right. But, but now now that may seem like a blunt question, and it is probably a blunt question for a, 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 probably an uncomfortable question for us to to ask a client. But the point I'm trying to make is that that being strongly proactive is neither offensive. It's not offensive it's probably going to be very much appreciated by the client at some point, maybe not immediately, when they, when they do in fact encounter that expense that they would typically have difficulty in paying. But it's a necessary one to have. And I would also add that veterinarians, there are veterinarians in the United States who are incorporating 
a technique similar to that. And as an example, I, I know one veterinarian in, uh, in New Hampshire that has 40% of his pets are in, of his active client base, pet, uh, pet database are, that are insured, 40%. Now, now imagine for that, for that veterinarian, you know, we talked a little bit a while ago about the revenue that, that pets, pet owners that are able to pay their bills are able to generate if 40% of them never questioned whether or not a procedure need to be done, would never, would never ever consider the concept of economic euthanasia for their pet. And, and, and how that changes the whole culture for the practice and what that does uh, for, for the, just the general mood within a practice. Because those, those staff members know that this is a practice that really, really cares about the human-animal bond. And, and they probably are better paid than uh, uh, staff in, in other practices that aren't so proactive. And they certainly work in a happier place. You know, that's so important. And I'm so glad we stopped there because there are so many things I'm going to pull out of this podcast, everyone, so that we can have Kent back and have him um, uh, elucidate some more information. Because I have to say, when you said, you know, pet owners, if you ask them, are they rich? Most pet owners, I know when I bought my horse, the least expensive thing I did was buy my horse. That was the least expensive thing I did. <laughs> the, the care of that horse was so expensive and I had no idea. And I think especially now post-pandemic, people are really understanding how much it costs to keep a dog, to feed a dog, to bring it to the vet, to train it, to have somebody come in and take care of it now that we can go take vacations if you can't take it with you. So these are all expenses that no one paid any attention to. And one of the most important expenses that we can build some sort of insurance into is our health insurance for our pets. So I loved when you said before, you know, this is the only medical um, process we are involved with that it's totally discretionary income unless we have insurance. And even then it's really discretionary income because it's your discretionary income you're paying to pay the premium for the insurance. But it's something that you can tangibly see working for you. So you're getting, you're getting better. I love that the New Hampshire vet is really taking the time like the UK vets seem to be doing with a 70% insurance base. Um, But I guess they, they, you know, have universal health insurance. So it's more common to them to then have a trickle down to their pets for universal health care here in the United States, not yet so much, but hopefully someday we might find a way to do something that makes people think everything should be insured. Um, but keep, in, keep in mind as you as you make that statement that while they're used to universal health care, they have the pet owners in the UK have to pay the premiums. Right, it's not the so, government so, paying for it. Yeah, right. They end up. You know, they, they understand the benefit. They understand the benefit yeah. of that yes. insurance, and so they're joining together with their uh, pet loving colleagues, right, who are right. enjoying the human animal bond to share the expense of keeping these pets healthy. And I mean, I know we're going to talk about the 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 impact of economic euthanasia on the whole staff. I love when you said, you know, it really does sometimes remove that uh, from the discussion because it isn't that I can't afford to take care of my dog. I I can, and so I will. And so that makes the the um, vets staff and the vet uh, feel much better about what they can do for a pet. Um, this has been so enlightening. I hope everyone has taken copious notes, listened to it at least three times because I am. 
And Kent, you're going to come back because there are so many things that people don't understand about having that conversation, about having even that conversation if you're a breed club with your other breed club members yes. so that you can all talk to. I love when you said, you know, it really helps people if, if veterinarians talk to them. Well, the breeders have to talk to them as well. Listen, this is a bulldog. And in New York, this bulldog. So if we all pull together, we might be able to provide better care um, and be and understand why you want to. Uh, buy insurance. Right. Kent, this is this has been fabulous. I, I want to point out to everyone that Kent started with that this is the only medical um, service that you have to use your total discretionary income on because it's for your pet, not for you. The human animal bond has changed since Kent and I both started this, uh, even since we started this podcast, but really since we started in the 60s, things were not as much of a uh, um, understood about how important pets are to us. So I really um, want to point out to everyone that the ability to pay um, can be uh, spread over time. And I'd love to have you back to talk more about possibly, if you can't afford insurance, maybe there's a veterinarian who has a plan that you can see the vet three times a year. Um, there's so many things that are open to us as pet owners that Kent, I know you're a fountain of information. I'm so grateful you were here to talk to us, just touching, scratching the surface of insurance. I hope you'll come back. I would be delighted. Yes, because I have so many more things to talk about. <laughs> so one, one last question is, what's the most important thing a pet owner should do when they bring their puppy into their veterinarian with respect to pet insurance? Well, I, I, think, I think they need to ask the question because the veterinarian can be, uh, and is probably one of the more valuable resources uh, for advice on which, the, the big question is, which company, which policy? Uh, but I would use that as a starting point. You know, use that as a starting point. As I pointed out, there, there's a, a vast difference in, in costs for nearly identical coverage. And, uh, and, and compare also, as you pointed out, the question about how our claims process. Those are the, those are the two questions. You know, that's so that's so great. And they should do this as they're doing their research on the breed, not as they're going to pick up the dog, because right. you really should have all of this information at your fingertips before you walk in. I mean, you should find your vet. I know it's hard now due to COVID, but you should find your vet before you bring home your dog. You have a conversation with your vet before you bring home your dog and then do your research before you bring home your dog. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and by the way, I know that there are breeders who all who also have very strong opinions. Uh, but I would also, you know, do your again, do your own research. The breeder might say I use I recommend double X company, you know, as opposed to triple X company and uh, do your own research. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's because you're the one paying the, the premium. And it, you know what? We we can do what we can do. And yeah. some is better than none. And, yeah. you know, it's great if we could all afford to do um, the top of the mark. But sometimes the best we can do is the best we can do. Right. Oh, God, Kent, thank you so much, Dr. Kent Cruz. I'm so grateful you're here. And until next time, why do pets matter? Because they bring us such love and affection. You take care. Give all of your pets a kiss for me. And until next time, this is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Law and Mediation. Take care. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.